songs like that, it's funny. There's a lot of different things. Music's strange in that it causes you to have a lot of a lot of memories. And uh, I remember the first service, I was sitting next to Emily, and whenever you know she reached over to kiss me during the song, I was like, whoa. I was like, yeah, this is, we're in church, you can't do that right now. But a lot of great memories with, with uh, Journey and songs like that. But on a more serious note, uh, we actually chose that song. And you can see the whole theme of the service has been about, about faithfulness. And I just wanted to, to share with you, and, and just for us to look into the Bible, to talk about the faithfulness of God. You know, you, that song's talking about you know, the kind of love that maybe Steve Perry had for, you know, for some woman, that he, was, that he faithfully loved her. But there is, no, there is nothing greater than, and more permanent than the faithfulness of God. And uh, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul was writing to the Roman Christians, the church in Rome, a long time ago. And he just wanted to share with them, he wanted them them to know that, that God is faithfulness. And this is one of the greatest passages of Scripture that you're going to find in Scripture that talks about the absolute faithfulness of God. And I hope that you'll leave here today encouraged Knowing that regardless of what you're going through, whatever it is that you're experiencing, there is a God who is faithful. Now, what's going on in our scripture today is the Roman Christians, just for some background information, they were struggling. A lot of different reasons why they were struggling. You have to remember this was written a couple thousand years ago. And when this was being written, Christians were not very popular in Rome. Uh, They were undergoing discrimination because of their faith. Many of them were being executed because of their faith. And as they were experiencing all these sort of trials in their lives, it's a natural question for them to be wondering, where's God? God's faithful, and yet I'm experiencing this kind of junk in my life? And so Paul wanted to share with them some ways that God is faithful. Now, for us today, it it can seem a little strange to think of anything or anybody that we can absolutely count on for all times. And we we live in a very, we become very jaded because of our experiences in this world. Uh, You know, some of the things that we say that are permanent, they're going to last forever. We We can talk about marriage and we make these vows that we're going to love and to honor and to trust one another so long as we both shall live. And yet we all know that 50% of marriages end in divorce. Uh, we hear people who tell us that they're going to do good jobs for us. We sign contracts with them, and, and yet it seems like it gets harder and harder to find anybody who does good work anymore. And so whenever we have those kinds of experiences, and then we talk about a God who's faithful for all time, because of our experiences, we think, well, how's that possible? I mean, is God really faithful? And today we're just going to look at our text and we're going to see some ways, some different ways that God demonstrates to us His faithfulness. And we're just going to start off in Romans chapter 8, verse number 31. If you have your Bible, you can look there. And I just want to start off by sharing with you what the Bible says about how God's faithful to us. How's God faithful to us? For starters, He is for us. One of the really neat things to discover is that God is is for you. Now, if you look in uh, in verse number 31, it says this. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Now, this might come as a surprise to some of you, but did you know that God is really for you? 
Do you know God? Did you know God's rooting for you? I mean, God is cheering you on. If you go back into verse number 31 again, it says, If God be for us, then who can be against us? Now, if, you're, if you've really been jaded by this world, you can look in verse number 31, you can say, yeah, but did you see that word, if? It says, if God be for us. You know, like, maybe he chooses he's not going to be. Well, just to let you know, that word if should also be translated because. It's not talking about if, you know, you know God might be for you, but maybe not. It's, it's definitely that it's because God is for you. God is constantly rooting for us. And if God is for us, then our text is, well, who can stand against us? You know, who is it that can defeat us and separate us from God? Well, well nothing can. And yet for many of us, when we have a picture of God, there are some people who have an idea of God as being like some, some guy who's sitting up in the sky and he's looking down on, on the earth and he cannot wait for you to mess up. Because he's got a great big whooping stick that he wants to pull out and beat you in the head with. And so a lot of us have a hard time thinking about a God who's actually for us. Others of us have a difficult time of of looking at God as being somebody who really cares about us. Did you all see, I guess it was last week, that supposedly the seven billionth baby was born. Did you all see that? So seven billion, that's a lot of people. And you think, does God... Can he really know us? Can you keep track? I can't even keep track of, like, my children. And yet there's 7 billion people. Does God really, does he really know, does he really see me as something that's significant? You know, I know that whenever I fly, and if you, if you, and I know that you have too, and you look out, that, everything looks really small, you know, when you're in a plane, you know, obviously. And you look down, you see those little cars, like little tiny toy cars. And, and it just, everything just seems really insignificant. And there's times when I think, How does God look down on us and think that those little tiny cars are significant? Because there's so many of us. And yet inside each one of those cars that looks so tiny to me, there's a life. There's people. There's there's somebody that's loved in that car. There are friends and family that are there. And so they're significant to those people. And that's why it's so important that we know that our God loves us. He loves you. He doesn't love us just like collectively. God loves you as an individual. We're told in John 3.16 by Jesus, it says, For God so loved say, the world. For God so loved the world. We're told in Romans 8, 30, or 28 and 29, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, you might step back and say, well, why would God be for me? Why would God be interested in me? It's very simple. It's because God created you. God created every person in this room. And when he made you, he made you in his image. And God wants the best for you. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And I'm just always encouraged by that verse, realizing that God's rooting for me. God is rooting for you. He wants the best out of your life. Now, as I, as I say this, 
understand that for God to be for you, there has to be a time, and for you to experience the power of Him being for you, there has to be a time when you allow Him to be with you. Because God's not going to bust down the door into your life. Our God is a God who respects the choices that we make. So you can make your decision concerning what you're going to do with me. He doesn't barge his way into our life. And we all know that we don't like, none of us likes it when somebody like sort of forces their way into our life. Anytime somebody comes into our life that way, we, we are not appreciative of it. Now at this point, according to our text, when people stand before, this text is talking about when people stand before God, and God is allowing a person into heaven. God is for us. Now, on our own, I'm sure that a lot of you can think of a lot of different reasons why some people shouldn't be able to go to heaven. I mean, right? I mean, some of you, or you can think, I mean, you might even think in your own life why you shouldn't be allowed into heaven. And typically the way it is, though, we can think of really a lot of good reasons why the people next to us shouldn't go there. But we come up with all these reasons why, and we, we have these arguments. We think, well, there's, there's some things that I've done in my past that were terrible. You know, there's some thoughts that I've had. There have been times in my life when I've been hateful and I've been unkind to others. That there's no way that I can, that I can enter into a relationship with God. That there's no way God would allow me into heaven. But because God is for us, you know what God does? All those things, as we seek Him out and we say, God, take my life, what God does is says, I'm for you. And all the things you are guilty of, I'll remove those so that you'll be innocent before me. Now, let me try to explain it. Let's say that it's almost like somebody, like one of you, um, you know, like one of you robs a bank. Not that you're going to do that, but let's just, Tippy Watts. Tippy, let's say it's, it's Tippy. And Tippy goes and he robs a bank. And everybody knows that he did it. Uh, we know that Tippy did it because they have surveillance cameras. There's Tippy right there. He might be wearing his village church shirt. And, you know, on the back it says event volunteer. And so they see Tippy in the bank, and then there's 20 eyewitnesses. And we know Tippy. We know him really well. He was in the bank. He's the guy that robbed the bank. And not only that, we found his wallet. He left it there. Now, if, if he stands in trial, and the prosecuting judge presents all this evidence, and the jury hears it, and they pronounce him innocent, then how in the world could that happen? Who did he pay off? But you know, the same thing is true with us concerning our relationship with God. Y'all, every one of us is guilty of breaking the commands of God. But when we put ourselves under the leadership of God, what Jesus does is he pronounces us innocent anyway. Why? Because he's already taken care of the debt that we have, the debt of sin. God's for you. In 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, which means a lawyer, with the Father, who is Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the whole propitiation of our sins. And not ours only, but also for those of the whole world. God is on your side. And he's faithful to you. How do I know he's faithful to me? Because he's for us. How do I know that God is faithful? Well, the second thing I want you to see is we know He's faithful because He provides for us as well. He's not just rooting for you. He's going to do something about it. He provides for you. Look with me in verses 32 through 34. It says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? 
It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. There's an old saying I know you're all familiar with. Talk is cheap. Now, we all know that. Now, there's some things that, come, that are good that come with words, but the most important thing is not really what you say, it's what? It's what you do. Talk is cheap. Now, for a long time, before, before I got married, before Emily and I were married, we dated for a good while. And there were, not long after we started dating, I knew, I, was gonna, I knew that I, I wanted to marry Emily. And I, I, told, I remember telling her that I loved, I loved her. Now, I could say that to her over and over again, but you know when it really became real? It's when I asked her to marry me. It was no longer just me talking. It was like, you know, I love you so much that I'm willing to spend the rest of my life with you. Now, I know it's easy for me to stand up here and tell you and tell myself that God loves you. And you know, when you come to church, you expect to hear that. You know, God loves me. And so it's easy for me to say that. It's easy for you to hear it. But, you know, after a while, it's just like it's in one ear and out the other. You say, well, yeah, you say that God loves me, but how do I know that he loves me? You know how you can know that God loves you? because of what he does for you and for me. What does he do for us? He provides for us. What did he provide for us? He provided Jesus for us. What did Jesus do? Jesus went to a cross and died for us that we might have our sinfulness erased so that we could have good standing with God. You know, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. We deserve to die And yet Jesus, because he's for us, he provided himself for us. He guaranteed through his life and death that we forever can be with God in heaven. That we can be rescued from sin. He guaranteed it for us through what he did. I like guarantees. You know, I like it when I know that something's going to work. You can say... I'm, I'm telling you this, this is going to work. How do I know it's going to work? Well, because it's worked before. And I go, okay, well, that's cool. Then I can trust that. I read a story, this is several years ago, I read a story about a guy named Dr. Evan Kane. worked at the Summit Hospital in New York years ago. And he was the doctor who discovered that if in surgery they, they use general anesthetics all the time. And you know, general anesthetics, when they put you under regardless of what they do, I mean, they, they always put you under. That, he's like, that's not good for your body if you do that all the time. So he wanted to come up with a local anesthetic. And I know we have some doctors in here. Local anesthetic, basically, it's like they, they, give you, they give you some medicine so they can do surgery on you while you are still awake. Now, I, 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 these things always are interesting to me because I think that every time I see something like that, I think, who was the first guy that did that, you know? Uh, yeah, give me a shot. I'd like to be awake during that surgery. Oh, my gosh. Well, Dr. Evan Kane had that problem, and he could not find any volunteers. Like, that's a shocker. And nobody was, like, volunteering and say, yeah, I'd like for you to cut me open, and I want to be awake for that. Nobody would do it. So he had to wait around until he got the perfect candidate. Finally, a guy came around, had needed an emergency appendectomy. So he prepped for the surgery, gave the guy a local anesthetic, Performed the surgery, cut him open, pulled out his appendix, sewed him up. Everything went great. It worked. Now, here's what's interesting about the story. It happened in 1921, and the patient was Dr. Kane himself. Uh, he performed the first surgery at the local anesthetic on himself. He needed a surgery. He said, well, I guess I'll be a good candidate. Gave himself a shot, got cleaned up, 
cut himself open, pulled out his appendix, sewed it back up. It worked. Now, after it worked, everybody was impressed. Like, now, well, maybe I'll do that surgery as well. It was like he provided a personal guarantee that that surgery could actually work. Well, guys, God personally has given us a guarantee that he is faithful to us. What's our personal guarantee? He gave us Jesus. He provided him for us. How else does he provide for us? He raised Jesus from the dead. And after he raised him from the dead, we're told in the scripture that we just read that Jesus now sits at the right hand of God the Father. What's Jesus doing there right now? Well, if you look over in verse number 34, it says Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You know what Jesus is doing for us right now? You know he's providing for us? He prays for us. This is one of the most encouraging passages of Scripture I think there is in all, all of the Bible. We have a God who is right now praying for us. That blows me away. He's not like just like praying for all 7 billion people in the world. Just a blanket prayer. He prays for you as an individual. What's he pray for us about? He prays for us to be strong. He prays for us to be able to withstand temptation. He prays for us to faithfully walk with him. You know, God, when he made us, God did not just make us and then say, all right, I've made you. Good luck. You're just out there to fend for yourself. God takes care of his people. We're told in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, says, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What does that mean? It means God's provided for us. And he provides us with grace and mercy in our time of need. I want you to see that God is faithful and God understands that as people we are weak and we sin. And we screw up and we violate God's laws. And God knows this. But even though he knows this, he loves us. And he provided his son for us that we might have strength in this life. God's faithful. How do I know he's faithful? He's for us. God's cheering for you. He provides for us. He gave us Jesus. That's the last thing I want you to see. We can know God is faithful because he also protects us. Verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Him, the love of God, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you don't have those verses underlined in your Bible, you need to underline those verses. Powerful verses. Now, every parent is going to do whatever he can in order to watch over and protect his child. Now, if you're a normal parent, I mean, that's what you're going to do. And when your children are younger, 
it's easier to accomplish. You know, when they're a baby, if you want to, if you want to take care of your child, you, you just you carry them around everywhere you go. You know, if it, you, whenever they're really little, you put them in a crib, you know, like next to your bed or close by. It's easy to watch, easier to watch over your child whenever they're smaller. But as they get older, it becomes more and more difficult because they sort of, you know, they sort of wander in and out and they go wherever they want to. We have a, we have a 17-year-old son, and I, half the time, and that this is probably speaks more to my parenting ability, ability than anything else. Half the, I don't even know where he is. You know, say, where's your son? I don't, I don't know. I have no idea, but I think he'll be back because we, he likes to eat. So, I mean, I, I kind of know that. Uh, but, yeah, we, they get older, it gets harder to watch over your children. And so we can look at God and we say, well, maybe God, it's easy for God to watch over us whenever, whenever we're smaller. But as we get older and we make our own choices and decisions, there's no way, and there's so many people, there's no way God can watch over me. There's no way God can protect me for all time. And yet when I look in the Scripture... Doesn't matter what age you are. Doesn't matter, you know how, you know how smart you are, or maybe not smart. God always has His eye on you. Always, He's different than us. In verse number thirty-five, it says, "Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Is there ever a time when God's eye drifts away from us and up?" Danger comes along and just snatches away from God. No. Nothing does. Now, you might say, well, if you read the following verse, and if some of you might have read ahead, you might say, yeah, but it says that we are like sheep being led to the slaughter. Now, if you read that verse, that, that is not an encouraging verse. You know, I read that, it's like, we're like sheep being slaughtered. I mean, who's, who's up for that? You know, not me. Well, I mean, what does that mean? Like sleeping, sheep being slaughtered. Y'all, any time we stand with God, this world's going to be against us. But here's the good news. If you go to the following verse, it says, But we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I don't care. I mean, I do. It's a matter of speaking here. I don't care what you're experiencing in your life right now. Because in this life, we're going to have trouble. We're going to hurt we're going to have people that we're very close to let us down and betray us. We're going to have job situations that are not forever faithful. And we can feel abandoned and alone. But our verse today says there is nothing that will separate you from the faithfulness and the love of God. As a matter of fact, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verses 38 and 39, Paul starts it off by saying, I know these things. He says, I am convinced of it. Nothing will separate me from the protection of God. Nothing. The love of God. Do you know that death can't separate you from God? Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that we're afraid of, dying. And I understand that. I'm not up here saying that just totally does not scare me. The Bible says I have no reason to fear. For a believer, for a follower of Jesus, death is merely a doorway that brings us into the presence of God. This life and all the garbage that comes in this life, not enough to separate me from the fact that God loves me. Not God, and that God's going to watch out for me. My future, what's going to happen in the future? There is nothing strong enough to snatch me out of the hand of God. 
Because if God be for me, who can be against me? Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight twenty, his last words as he was here on this earth, he said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this world. In this life, we're going to face trials, we're going to face shortcomings, we're going to face death. But through all of these things, eventually God's going to make everything right. And God's going to bring His people into His presence. Why? How would He do that? Deuteronomy 7, 9 gives us a really good answer. Listen to this. It says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, the God we worship today, He is God. He is the faithful God. Keeping his covenant to a thousand generations of those who love his commands. Why does God do this? Because God is the faithful God. He is true. Twelve years ago, at Columbine High School, some boys ran through and shot as many people as they could. It was a tragic day, Columbine High School in Colorado. There's an interesting story about one of the girls that was shot. Her name is Callie Grinnell. She was a Christian. The boys came running through, and they came to her classroom where everybody's hiding out. They opened up her door, at the, her, the door of her classroom, and one of the boys yelled out and said, Who here would stand up for Jesus? Amazingly, Callie Grinald stood up and said, I will. This boy shot and killed her. Now, you can look at that story and you can say, God wasn't faithful there. God didn't protect her. The mother, Callie's mother, was interviewed sometime later. And she said, you know, it's interesting. She said, the week before that all happened, she said, my daughter came to talk to me. And she said, Mom, I just want you to know. She said, it's not my mind. I was thinking about dying. She said, if, I were, if something bad were to happen to me, she said, I don't want you to worry about it. They said, the reason why is because Jesus is going to take care of me. Now, you sit there and you think, how, how would a 17-year-old girl be able to say something like that? You know how she's able to say something like that? It's because she knew at 17 that regardless of circumstances, regardless of the garbage that sometimes happens in life, that God is faithful. He keeps his eye on his people. And there will be a time and a day when God will make everything right. Is God faithful? I'm looking at our scripture today. Yeah. How do I know? He's for us. He provides for us. And he protects us. Now, maybe you're searching for something or you've been looking for a long time. And you say, you know what? I would like to, to hang my hat on something that I know is going to work. I'd like to plant my feet on some solid ground where I say, if I do this, if I invest in this, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be taken care of. Well, if you're searching for that, I promise you there's only one place where you're going to find eternal faithfulness. And it's not going to be me. It's Jesus. For some of you, it's time for you to plant your feet on Jesus. Because He is a God who's for you. He's a God who will provide for you. He's a God who will protect you.
you're ready to invest your life in him, I just encourage you where you're seated, you can bow your head and close your eye, and you can talk to him and pray to him and say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm putting both feet in with you. Let's bow our heads and close.